welcome back to the Sunday Roast. My name is Mark Megan. Uh, how are you guys doing? It's Christmas. The season of goodwill is upon us. So let's bring these fuckers down a peg or two, will we? Uh, I adore Christmas. This is such a big topic for me that I feel like I'm going to devote two episodes, at least, to all things festive. Uh, thank you again to everybody for your messages, sharing the podcast, rating it, all the usual stuff. Much appreciated. Please continue to do it. It makes a massive difference to my life. Uh, so thank you. Christmas. Where to begin? There is a lot of stuff we need to get through. First and foremost, let's just address it for what it is. It is the season of goodwill. It's the season of being nice to people. But surely you have to draw the line somewhere. I mean, some of these people that come out of the woodwork at Christmas time... It's absolutely outrageous. You know, you're walking down Grafton Street in Dublin on a you know Christmas Eve or the day before Christmas Eve. And all of a sudden, these people emerge from the wings. You know, people who wouldn't click attending to your funeral on Facebook. Yet here they are, all smiles, doing the double kiss, by the way. The double kiss, as if all of a sudden we're in the Bay of Biscay. These are guys who usually deal with people with high fives and homophobic slurs. Yet because it's Christmas Eve, they're doing the double kiss. So uh, what are you up to now? Uh, are, you in, are, you, are you in London? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah. But before you've even finished your, your reply, they've already cut across you because they don't care. They actually don't have any interest in the information that you're sharing with them. So uh, what are you up to now? Like you're in London. Yeah, man, you've been there for... Are you loving it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's going quite... I mean, it's, it's busy, but yeah, yeah, I'd say you are, man. I'd say, I'd say there's some amount of women over there. Well, yeah. London has a population of about 9 million. There are lots of people here. What are, you, what are you insinuating here? Just because there's more women than, like, another city, that somehow they become more promiscuous in groups. Like, have you encountered a member of the opposite sex before? Like, yeah, so weird. So, uh, what are your plans this evening? Are you going to go out for a few or are you going to take it handy? Why, why do you care? Why do you care where I'm going for Christmas points? We are not friends. I genuinely don't even know your surname. I still remember you by the nickname you had in Irish college, which was something like Dr. Tits or something ludicrous. Do you genuinely think I'm going to go for points with a guy called Dr. Tits? You know, like, oh, uh, what's the crack for Stevens today? Again, with the plans. It doesn't matter what my plans are. I literally won't be seeing you until this time next year, whether I go horse racing or not. Do you know what you're doing? I actually have a theory on this. What you're doing is called hearse chasing, right? Hear me out on this. Basically, these are the type of people who want to be the everyman and get along just on a sort of surface level with many people. So at a later stage in life, they will get invited to more funerals and avail of the free points and the shy talk that goes on. You know these people that show up to funerals and all of it, the chief mourners. But, you know, they're actually, they've got their hands in their pockets during the mass and they're itching just to get back to the club of whatever sort of the community hall where they can just get stuck into points it's like and uh, you can see them they're looking you know they're asking they're looking in, in, in the car park you know and everyone's been very morose because it's literally a funeral and you'll see them itching there you know moving from one foot to another and then oh how are you yeah you, you you'll probably stick around for a few after will you yeah look it's ah it's what damien would have wanted it was damien wasn't it yeah yeah no it's what he would have wanted you know i was very sad altogether very Desperately hard on his wife, um, Suzanne as well. And the kids, gorgeous looking kids, all of them. I believe one of them's up, yeah, would you have a, you have a, we go Jaeger? You have a Jaeger bomb? 
these greedy little Giuseppes, like, outrageous carry on. They're the same sort of people that they come up to you in the pub. Do you ever get this? It's like Christmas Eve. There's always, there's always at least one person who comes up to you and you haven't heard from them for 364 days before of 2019 or 2018 or whatever year it was. And he gets the arm around you. Ah, you know, man, I always loved you and I always miss you. Dude, my phone works. Like, I live in South London, not the Serengeti. You could literally contact me at any other point of the year. I'm very accessible. And also, he's like, oh, Harry, you're out for a few days. We should, we should go for a few points. But you can see that their eyes are glazed over. They actually don't give a damn. They don't really want to see you at all. But it's just this, excuse me, just this sort of routine that they do. And you can see their eyes glazing over. Like, you could give them any, he's like, oh, give me your phone number there. I'll text you over the next few days. We'll, go, we'll all go for a few points. You could literally give him any phone number. And he'd take it and pretend, uh, 0817, yep, yeah, uh, W5, uh, that's a capital W, W5, DCLDGS. Yeah, it's literally a Wi-Fi code. And they'd be like, yeah, no worries, horsebox. I'll be on to you now in the next few days. We'll link up for a quiet pint. Will you stop with the quiet pints, Jacob? There are no quiet pints. They're all loud and gregarious and Christmassy pints. Do you know what I mean? Will you just, good God. There's always those like concerning, concerning subset of people who on Christmas Eve, they sort of like want to crack on. As in going, like go somewhere else after the local pub. Which is absolutely outrageous. I mean, for me, on Christmas Eve, as tempting as it could be to go wild, you sort of want to be finishing up at 10 or 11 to be home. And you certainly don't want to be so drunk on Christmas Eve that you literally need Google Maps to get from your kitchen to your bedroom. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like, this is insane. It's something really depressing about it, actually. Why don't you want to go home? Although, oh no, I don't know if I... ah. Fuck it. There was a time about two Christmas Eves ago, I was in the local pub, uh, Christmas Eve, and there was a bit of a Christmas romance, okay? And when I say Christmas romance, it was literally just Christmas Eve, you're getting all misty-eyed and sentimental because other people are like settled down, they've got wives, they've got lives, they've got mortgages, and you're still swiping Tinder aggressively on Christmas Eve morning, you know, and that all begins to sort of descend on you and you really feel the stark isolation of leaving your 20s as a single individual and you wonder wherein you went wrong or are going wrong. Anyway, I met a lady in the pub. We sort of knew each other a little bit and uh, in that sort of, we were were trying to shoehorn a relationship into sort of a 60 minute encounter because we were obviously just both so desperate to be going home alone on Christmas Eve. But suffice to say, that's what would be happening because there is absolutely unequivocally no chance of me bringing somebody back to my family home on Christmas Eve and vice versa. So do you know what we did? There was a public park in Leopardstown, near enough to the bar that we were drinking in. So, we went across there for some shenanigans. Let's just say, Santa wasn't the only man to come under a tree that Christmas, am I right? No, Mark, you're absolutely wrong. And you've just lost about 60% of your listenership, you filthy, festive pig. favorite things about Christmas without a shadow of a doubt has to be the Christmas mass 
if you if you're from Ireland and you've been raised in some sort of a Catholic background, you are you're going to experience Christmas Mass at least once in your life. Because I think the reason why I love this so much is because you can't underestimate just how much this means to the priest. <laughs> Do you ever get when you see these priests? On Christmas Day. And there's like, there's a certain smugness to them. Because they, 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 you know, it's packed to the rafters. The church is stuffed full of people. And there's almost, there's just that smug sort of smile. where the Like this is, this is, this is like the electric picnic for priests. Do you know what I mean? This is his Coachella. This is his day when he's like, yes, I have everybody here. I'm really going to go for it. He's he, the only person in the church that's sort of more basking in the attention is that dad in the choir have you ever seen these type of people you know that you know, like there's a choir and they're doing all their kumbaya shit and there's one guy in the choir who just takes it way too seriously you know he's like bringing down his casio and he's there giving it absolutely socks like he's elton john we're at mass peter you know, oh, would there be? Well, you can imagine them in the meeting. You know, before, right, guys. Uh, so I'm thinking for this gig. This isn't a gig, Peter. This is Christmas Day mass. Okay, chill the fuck out. Also, you you look ridiculous in that polo neck. But anyway, you can imagine them being like, oh, here we. Maybe you've time. I was thinking. I was thinking after uh, after communion, there could be room for a bit of a keyboard solo. I've been working on. No, Peter. We spoke about this in the car. No solos. Stop with the solos. And he's also singing louder than everybody else in the choir. You know, they're all giving it the Good King Wenzel's brother. And he's like, Good King, you know what I mean? Literally giving it socks and shoes and sandals. Tone it the right fucking down, Peter. He's not the only one. There are also, I find these people really interesting. Have you ever been to Mass, right, on Christmas Day? There's always somebody in the, in the congregation who feels like just because if they do the response sort of stuff, like, and also with you, if they say it louder than anybody else in the room, it's as if they're going to get to heaven quicker. You know, you can hear them, it's like, and uh, Christ be with you, and also, and also with you, you hear from the back of the pews, just the booming voice of this moron. It's also like, you do realise God isn't literally in the car park with the ladder, leaning up against the windows, binoculars taking names. Oh yeah, yeah, there's Mary in the house coat. Yeah, she's been wearing that since the 94 World Cup. Yeah, she's given it socks. We'll let her in. You know what I mean? Ridiculous. Then the basket goes around. I love that. Everyone's feeling generous because it's Christmas Day and the basket goes around. People putting in 20 euros. Because if, the, if there's one thing the church needs, it's a few quid. <laughs> Ludicrous. I love the way then there's that. What's that part? Like the part of the mass after the communion when there's like a gap. And the priest, this is sort of, this is when he can sort of go off piste with it. You know, he can really, this is when he gets to put his own spin on the sort of day. And he starts giving you all the local announcement, announcements. Nobody cares. Like, everyone's looking at their new iPhones and their wheelies. Nobody's actually giving, list, he could literally say anything. And everyone's just like, oh yeah, very nice, very nice, yeah. Oh, the Moreto Sullivan Arthritis Group had great success in the annual Wankathon in Berlin last week, beating off some very stiff competition. You know, and nobody would bat an eyelid. People wouldn't even, like, w- acknowledge this. You can actually also, when you're in these Christmas masses, if you look above the congregation, you can see a smog from all the yummy mummies and the thick thick Joe Malone perfume that's been haphazardly bought by a forgetful husband on Christmas Eve. Bought in haste. 
And then, you know, you've got the sort of the crack, the crack outside the church at the beginning, you know, the woman going up to the kids that she doesn't know. She's probably had three sherries already. So she's a little bit loose lipped. And she's like, you know, just talking to some child. Oh, and did Santa come? Did Santa come, did he? No, but I'll tell you who did. Your husband, Philip, on his recent golf trip with the lads. Funny, isn't it? I never knew Prague was renowned for its golf courses. Please be less naive, Deirdre. Come on, like. The guy went on a sailing trip to Switzerland last year. Please read between the lines, like, you know? I mean, one of the most glorious elements of Christmas has to be watching Christmas films. It's impossible not to embrace it, to become nostalgic, to try and recreate the Christmases you had as a child, even though you never really will manage to. Let's try and get as close as we possibly can. I'm the biggest sucker for Christmas films ever. I absolutely adore them. Literally adore them. But I was watching... uh, (coughs) Excuse me. I was watching Home Alone during the week. Surely... After Home Alone 2, I mean, social certain, like the HSE or somebody needs to get involved. What is going on here, Mr. and Mrs. McAllister? You've lost your son twice. And by the way, now there's Home Alone 3. Not only have you lost your son, but this is a different son altogether. You're calling him Kevin McAllister, but he's a ginge. You've lost Macaulay Culkin and you've literally downgraded to a ginge and you've lost him. Which begs the question, what is really going on in the McAllister household behind closed doors? Is there some sort of human trafficking thing going on? Do we need to open up a search for Maddie in the McAllister's household? You know, you're doing a lot of bloody travelling, by the way. A lot of bloody travelling. What's really going on in that basement where Fuller used to piss his jocks? What was John Candy really doing in that truck? You know, you've you've got this kid, by the way, called Buzz. Buzz, he's supposed to be 14. Buzz looks like a 43-year-old assistant manager of a rural cinema. The guy is literally old. I still love it, though. Macaulay in his prime, one of the best films of all time. Another interesting one. Miracle on 34th Street. Miracle on 34th Street, for any of my younger listeners, is where Richard Attenborough, uh, you may know him from Jurassic Park, Basically has to go to the Supreme Court and defend the fact that he's Santa Claus. Okay? Yet he doesn't need to defend the fact why he's friends with an eight-year-old girl. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? What is happening here? I mean, that's the real question here. It's not about whether or not this delusional fuck thinks he's Santa Claus. The question here should be, why is Bernard, the pensioner, befriending girls this young? What is going on here? He is so old that he could literally survive on a diet that consists entirely of Murray Mints and episodes of The Angelus. She's young enough not to be able to complete a Jacqueline Wilson novel without struggling. Questions need to be raised here. Can you imagine? Also, when he's in the dock and they're going through this court case and she stands up and she shouts something. I forget exactly what she said, but she says something like, I believe in you, Santa. Tell them about the miracles you showed me. 
Miracles, eh? Hmm, interesting. Interesting. We'll be, we'll be looking into this. Also, this film is giving children who come from single-parent backgrounds a full sense of what a functional family unit is. I mean, the amount of kids who probably watched this film in the 90s and then asked for a dad for Christmas is insane. Imagine waking up on Christmas Day expecting a father to be in a stocking, yet instead you get two Beanie Babies and a fucking Xbox. You'd be absolutely devastated. The judge that was overseeing this case in Miracle on 34th Street was definitely Irish. Like, was definitely Irish. You know these... Sorry, can we talk about this? These absurd Irish judges where some guy comes up, he's got 81 previous uh, convictions. He gets done for attacking, you know, a, a pensioner on the Lewis. Ah, he gets a light slap in the wrists. We'll let him away at this time. Suspended sentence. Then you get one guy who's got zero previous convictions, never put a foot wrong in his whole entire life. He's a surgeon who spends most of his free time working in orphanages and soup kitchens. He gets caught littering on Dunleary Pier. Yeah, electric chair. No, bring out the snipers. No, no, don't let him say goodbye to his wife. No, 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 hang him. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. Thank you so much for listening to the Sunday Roast, guys. Really appreciate it. Going to be another couple of Christmas episodes, I think. Uh, There's just so much ground to cover that I couldn't possibly limit it to one episode. As always, hit me up if you have any suggestions. Really appreciate all your messages. And if you could rate this on Apple Music or Spotify or however you do it, that would be incredible. Thank you so much. Uh, Have a great week. Start getting festive. I'm flying back to Dublin next weekend. I'm so fucking excited. Take care of yourselves. All the best.